All movements start with a question. Does the story I've been told still make sense to me? Or will I write my own? Join Tara and Joe as they question assumptions, think about ideas, and explore what it means to create your life from the inside out. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining myself and Joe for the Movement Podcast. So, I, it's an interesting time <laughs> right now, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, so, I, I started to say this before we started recording, and then I was like, wait, let's just record and see how it goes. I, I originally thought, like, okay, next episode, let's talk about education. Let's talk about how our philosophy lends itself toward our choices in how we educate our children and how many choices there are. And, and I thought that'll be a really interesting show and maybe helpful to some people and, and prompt some other ideas. However, with everything going on, so let me, in this space and time between kind of craziness of the election and what seems to be coming down the pike with just kind of all kinds of freedoms and in question and censorship and all of the technology issues and things that we're talking about. I think it's really hard to just have a conversation about education that kind of ignores life as it is right now. Um, And so I was really thinking as we talk about these philosophies and ideas and specifically the idea of living above, down, inside, out in our philosophy that comes via chiropractic, but that we've applied through different avenues. I was thinking about how it, how it's applied in my life this week, especially in navigating all of what's happening. And at a time when it seems like the loudest voices just want to divide us and sort of make us pick teams. I know that our thoughts and our way of life and and the way that we approach things is unusual and we're definitely in the minority and fairly unpopular when when you kind of look at it like that. But when the sacredness of life is at the core of your belief and philosophy, which for me, is what ADIO really connects with for me. Neither team makes sense. So if you're listening to the news right now, it seems like everything is about what team are you on? And certain news cycles are, you know, for one team and against another. And it seems really hard to figure out what is the truth and where is the information that is actually helpful to us. And I found myself this week getting really overwhelmed. But when when this philosophy is at your core, it's much harder to be on a team and easier to take a step back, I think, and kind of look at what's going on for both teams. Kind of give yourself some distance because neither team really has... Neither team has it 100%. <laughs> Right. Um, And so I found that this week our philosophy has really helped guide and ground me in 
what is what is the truth like what is my truth how am i going to enter into these spaces how am i going to engage with the news social media what am i you know what am i doing here and um, i'm curious how how you've been kind of navigating this because we we sometimes navigate it a little bit differently but you're talking about me yeah you well as you were speaking i was thinking about this a little bit because I noticed you have been a little more caught up in it and we kind of balance each other out most of the time and sometimes I get caught up in it and worked up too. Um, and I think, I mean, I've, I've been feeling kind of over it in many ways in terms of the politics and the um, outrage and the drama and the censorship and the um, all the things that have been things and I was as again as you were speaking that made me think that what you know why is that exactly and I and I think it is because of uh, the grounding we have philosophically and you know realizing that whatever happens we're gonna be all right because ultimately what we want and how we live is, is we want a lifestyle where we are able to celebrate and promote health and life within and be able to um, you make the choices that we want to make for ourselves, right? So, so there, I guess there comes to a, a point. It comes to a point where the outside world is going to do what the outside world does, and ultimately, um, we can choose to let that affect us or not, right? And and obviously, the I know your concerns and uh, and and many who think like this are concerned in terms of you know, mandates of different kinds and uh, particularly mandatory vaccination, you know, infringing on health freedoms and things like that. And uh, I don't think that's going to happen for a while. Like, I don't think, like, it's going to take them a while to wheel out this this uh, concoction that they rushed together. Um, and it's going to be fraught with side effects. And they know it is. They've, they're already preparing for it. They've already, they're already setting up... Um, there's a they've commissioned or they they put out a uh, that that was the British the British Medical Association put out a call for a what was it an AI they want an AI software, software that can handle the volume of the, the volume of, of uh, adverse reactions and right. phone calls and, and you know the correspondence that comes with that. Um, so I guess it's just going to tell them, don't worry about it, it's normal or something. I'm not sure what the... <laughs> what the... I, I saw something recently that was saying, uh, you know, this will come with a lot of uh, side effects, but that's how you know it's working. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh. A, uh, so they're going to have a vaccine yes. that's allegedly 90% effective for a, a cold virus that um, 
99% of people recover from. And mutates. And, well, of course, will mutate. They always mutate. Um, apparently, it's not going to mutate as rapidly as the flu does, which is, that's the argument, because everybody's like, well, we've got the flu vaccine, never got rid of the flu. Like, what are we, what's our end game here? What are we hoping to accomplish? Uh, and uh, the argument is that, well, um, this doesn't mutate as rapidly as the flu, and that, you know, that's why the flu vaccine is so ineffective, because the flu virus changes so much uh, that they can't, um, they can't necessarily um, account for that. There's no way, except for they have introduced a super-duper quad-valent flu vaccine, um, strangely, that got introduced in Italy, where they had the biggest problem with the, the coronavirus. They used it on res nursing home residents, and um, lo and behold, they are more susceptible to the coronavirus, which I guess, uh, for the record, um, not that I don't think we meant to talk about this, but <laughs> no. I've been trying to stay away from. But I am aware really of extreme. at least two legitimate studies <laughs> that show that if you get a flu shot, you're more susceptible to coronaviruses and respiratory infections of all kinds that aren't the exact flu shot that you got, the exact strain of the flu that you got, uh, which makes perfect sense because your immune system is designed to be adaptable and to live in harmony with the environment and the microbiome. And if you artificially prime it for one particular thing, uh, it's going to be less uh, adaptable to uh, all the other things that you're going to encounter. So, mm. um, so just you know, throw that little nugget in there for anybody that cares. <laughs> um, I, I'm not a fan of mandatory flu shots either, but uh, some people need them for work, for example. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, and this this uh, Ticketmaster has already said that in order to buy tickets from them, you have to have proof of a, of a flu shot or, or that you've had the virus already. The you flu? Know, the new, I not, I'm sorry, not the flu shot, the, the new coronavirus shot that they're going to come out with. Right. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I don't want our podcast to be another place where you come to hear news that's like, there's enough of that out there. That was sort of what I was talking about. So, like, I, I've been reading well, all of these things. Just to and... finish my thought, though, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a shit show, this vaccine. And by the time they have enough of it for, like, everybody that they think needs it, um, you know, we're going to be last in line, thankfully. And uh, they're, the, when they, they'll never be able to mandate it when, they, when um, people see how devastating it is, I, I don't think. Like, I don't think I'll ever come down to everybody has to have one or you can't fly or you can't whatever. Uh, I think there'll be a little bit of that in the beginning, but I don't think it'll go anywhere. I think enough people, I mean, th this is not a popular idea. People are not, mm -hmm. I mean, re I hope reasonable not. people are not, not excited about getting this vaccine. Um, the the drive around with your mask on and rubber gloves on by yourself in the car, people are excited about it, I think. But unfortunately, I don't think they're the majority. Right. Well, so this, so this brings us back to kind of what, yes, I, I was... You know, there's a balance between trying to be informed and getting caught up in it. And I found myself this week getting a little caught up in it and really starting to go down that road of worry and fear. And I had to stop and really pull myself back and say, well, wait a second. Like, what is what's actually happening? What's true for me right now in my life? Right. Like, is is this you know, at this current moment, is this a legitimate, you know, thing to be 
was taxing my nervous system about and taxing my immune system because I'm going to be in a state of worry and fear. Um, or can I, can I take a step back from it? And I just, it was, uh, another realization for me of just how much the news cycle wants you to be in that state of nervous and fear. And you got to keep checking because things are going to change. And you, you know, it gives you this, this sense of you need to be here to, to, so you know what's going on, but it keeps you in a state of awfulness. Like I felt That's really, keep you tuned in. really terrible, um, spending so much time really trying to, to figure it out and, and be in that place. Whereas when we look around, right, when I, when I take that pause and I take that step breath, that, that, that deep breath and that step back and I can say, oh, like, my, you know, look at all of the blessings that we have. Look at, look at how much there is to be grateful for. How grateful am I that there are more and more people talking about this? I mean, there was a time, I mean, we've, we've been talking about uh, health from the inside out. We've been talking about um, vaccines for years and years and years. And there was, it was a very quiet, uh, small group of people that were receptive to that kind of conversation about vaccine safety, about how, what's really going on, the other ingredients, things like that. But now it's becoming a much larger conversation and that's actually a really positive thing Yes, because more and more people are becoming aware like, well, wait a second, what, what is the regulation on these things? How does all of this work? How does our immune system work? I've I've seen Why can't more you conversation. Sue the right. If there's an adverse effect. Right. Um, you know, and I, I see more people talking about why aren't we talking about keeping ourselves healthy versus just waiting for that outside in savior to come? Why aren't we from the inside out thinking about how the foods we eat and the exercise we have and, and making those those lifestyle pieces a more important part of the conversation? And so when I when I think about like, okay, what's really happening here? How how is this going on? And and take that that pause and that step away from that media cycle, I realize how much I was caught up in it. Um there's a lot of really positive things going on. There's a lot of thought and conversation and change happening that wouldn't have happened without all of this craziness, right? So there's there's always good happening, but we have to remember to focus on it. And you want to talk about education? Did you want to talk about education? Well, yeah. So Are that, you connecting to that? Well, I think that's <laughs> yeah. one of the areas, right? So mm-hmm. uh, first of all, I mean, we could segue into that by, by saying that um, the place where the nastiest germs, bugs... Mm-hmm. live the infections that they can't kill the antibiotic resistant strains of bacteria they're really lethal and hard to kill stuff uh, that lives in hospitals and the reason that lives in hospitals is because they're the most sterile environments consistently that uh, exist on the planet and uh, in the, those environments um that you know they, it, you can't kill off all of the microbiome it just gets stronger so the 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 little buggers mutate and get stronger and then they run out of ways to, to kill them or at least ways to kill them that wouldn't kill the host if it was somebody that was infected with it so that 
is now the environment that they're creating in every school in the country. Hmm. So well, the disaster that's looming, other and other places, well, right everywhere. But the disaster that's <laughs> looming is that um, the the uh, antibiotic resistant microbes, the um, the everything is just going to get stronger and stronger, and it's going to be everywhere. Um, and unfortunately, like the the schools have been a, a, an issue, or, or I should say, they have been. Um, a focus of conversation and of legislation because th that's your kids pass around you know, their, their little uh, little snot factories and they and they touch each other and they are gross and they um, easily uh, transmit these things which for the record um, you know catching colds and and uh, viruses and whatnot is actually um, we can make a strong argument for that's how the immune system develops, right? So the right. idea that you have to eradicate all of these things um, is a different concept than the idea that um, the the young, strong, developing immune system is learning how to cope with and um, and uh, navigate its environment and to keep the host well and the. Um, there are certainly uh, studies that have shown over the years that you know, kids who actually get colds and get over them are more resistant to um, chronic illness later in life. And so, uh, and just like kids who grow up on farms and you know have animals and pets and uh, dirt and fur and and uh, and and. and hay and and the dust and all those kids have uh, more robust immune systems and are much much less likely to develop any sort of chronic illness things like asthma allergies etc which um is because their immune system is is you know learning to adapt versus kids that grow up in a more sterile environment uh, myself, for example, I, my mother's a little OCD, and you know we grew up in a in a very clean, very sterile house, um, and uh, you know only had a dog when we were older, and then they purposely got a standard poodle because they don't shed and all that. Like it was, um, and and I've suffered with allergies and, and whatnot growing up, but um, the the reality is fifty two percent, I believe it is, it's just over half of all. Children, you know, zero to eighteen, have uh, at least one chronic condition and take medication for it, right? So Crazy. that's and and of that fifty-two percent, seventy-five percent take two or more daily medications. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's a, not a good place. So, so we were already in a bad place, and now we're uh, you know spraying them with chemicals and uh, and they're and sterilizing their environment and um, you know all this stuff, right? So this stuff wreaks havoc like if it, if it kills the microbiome it also is not good for us right it's just right and we're it, bigger so we don't die as quickly we that's that's a good point I, I think this is something that only in the past couple of years has microbiome even become part of the the more popular vernacular like i didn't hear about it too often in out and about but now we're starting to understand the microbiome is so important and so yes if we're spraying everything, killing all of the bacteria in our environment, it's also going to affect the bacteria in and around us. And that is part of what helps keep the balance of our immune system. Exactly. Um, and it's, it, and not, and so we have that to deal with, but also what, 
what are they spraying in these places? And I know when, when this first, when places first started talking about spraying, I, there was one that came across my attention and I decided to try to figure it out and look it up and I'm going to, uh, what was it called? I don't know if I can remember what it was called, but, um, I, I was able to find the company. I was able to find the MSDS sheet, which is what gives you all the safety data for this, this particular product. So it was a restaurant that was advertising like, Hey, you can come see us where we've been sprayed with XYZ and it kills things for six months. And I said, I said, well, (laughs) I guess we're not going to that restaurant because what in the world is that? And so when I looked at the safety data sheet, first of all, they didn't have to tell you like when it said it, Oh, the other funny part was that it was EPA approved. 95% of the ingredients, inactive ingredients, proprietary. They didn't have to tell you what they were. Those inactive ingredients were EPA approved. The active ingredients, the 5%, was not EPA approved, but they don't have to tell you that. Also proprietary. They don't have to tell you what's in it. So completely unknown ingredients. And then I kept on, like I'm looking down the the safety data sheet, I'm looking for all of this, where it gets to the part where studies have been done. No studies have been done. Um, Will this product affect uh, reproductive health? Unknown. Is it carcin? Is it a carcinogen? Unknown. <laughs> is it a um, like the list sort of went on? Like all of the things that you go like, all right, endocrine disruptor. Unknown. All of so, and this is what we're spraying with. And I just think, how in the world can that be better for us than? the 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 ways to help support our immune system in a positive way. I don't I I it just does not make sense to me. But the the other piece of that is the toxic overload. So you have not only are you killing the microbiome and destroying our natural defenses, but then you're also adding toxic load to our bodies. And our bodies don't like all of this stuff developed in a lab, fiddled with, figured out, you know, it's it's doing something um, our bodies don't speak synthetic. Our bodies speak natural. And so when you put synthetic stuff in and around our bodies, our bodies have to figure out what to do with it. And this actually can take a great amount of energy from our bodies, which takes energy away from important things like immunity, like digestion, like cognitive function, <laughs> like, you know, like all of these things, the energy is going toward what is this synthetic thing what is this toxin in my body and what how do i deal with it and sometimes it walls it off in fat cells because it does it's like that's how it's going to protect the body mm-hmm. it's going to say okay we're going to store it over here and we'll deal with it when we know what it is um in other ways it's going to actually um, many of the products that we use because they're petroleum derived affect our endocrine system they're interfering with our hormone production they mimic estrogen they cause all kinds of um, issues and so yeah we have toxins that are are being introduced that we don't know what the effect is and um, and this is a big this is what I talk a lot a lot about and when I'm doing education and talking about switching over to natural products like and using plant-based products and essential oils and things like that because we think that if it's on the shelf or if it's being used 
then it must be safe because someone said it was okay. But I think even this the, the vaccine issue is starting to bring to light how these safety things actually work, which is not how we assume that it works. Like we assume that a product has gone through rigorous safety testing. And so therefore, before it's brought out onto market, it should be okay. But many of these products are being safety tested on us and they don't, they don't get pulled the from the market, included. vaccine included. They don't get pulled from the market until there is a vast amount of adverse effects that can be directly linked back to that product. Um, triclosan, for example, was a known carcinogen for decades. Just, what, two years ago, a year ago, was, was pulled from all antibacterial products, banned from antibacterial products um, because they found they figured out the direct link between it being cancer causing in humans it took them 30 years to do that that was in products for 30 years before they had they they it was enough evidence for them to actually make that move and it's still in toothpaste because you you technically spit it out you don't absorb that through your own mucosa. How could that no. be? <laughs> so, so like. So you can't use an enhanced sanitizer anymore because you absorb it in your skin and, and it's, it's a carcinogen. Still, it's still in toothpaste. Really? So this is because yeah. your mucosa isn't more more likely to uh, absorb it. You're than supposed to spit it out. It's good. I you're looking at me like I'm the one <laughs> made that made this decision, but I'm God. not. So so anyway, my point is, we have to become our own best advocates. I call this becoming the gatekeeper to your home. Why would they put that in toothpaste? You're supposed to have bacteria in your mouth. Well, we know that. People like to get rid of germs. It probably helps with bad breath or something. Um, So, you know, we have to become our own best advocates. and, And unfortunately, it takes time to do that. We have to understand some ingredients. But, I mean, there's there's ways you can simplify that and just avoid entire aisles at the grocery store. I can, I can help you with that. But, um, you know, just being aware of what, like all of that, that is enough for us to say, well, thank goodness we homeschool because <laughs> we get to be the gatekeepers for all of these things. Right. Mm. And we're not in those environments and we can choose not to go into those environments. Um, so fortunately homeschooling has become a, a topic that has become more uh, mainstream suddenly all of a sudden because of yep. the pandemic yes and people find themselves doing it so you know reason number 1750 that we're not that affected by all of this is that we were already and incredibly grateful yes right. um so the uh, and also you know in fairness i would say because you know speaking with many people during my day as I do at the office. Um, it's not the best choice for everyone. There's no. some kids that really struggle yeah. with the homeschool and they need to be in a classroom. They, they need to be, um, you know, a, a very structured, regimented sort of, a, of a, an approach. Um, and so, it, you know, the, it's not saying it doesn't have any merit whatsoever because everybody's different. But because everybody's different, is also why you shouldn't try to fit everybody into the same structured, regimented, uh, military-like, uh, you know, educational system, right? And and uh, and that, right? So, um, 
I, I feel very blessed that you're um, so proactive with this, uh, with uh, Ronan and, and by extension Gabriel, who's younger and, and technically wouldn't necessarily be in school yet, but uh, you know, but he's benefiting from it as well. But it gives us the flexibility and opportunity to approach the things that kids learn from a, a, a direction that um, is interesting and, and engaging for Ronan and not regimented and structured and uh, one size fits all. And, and, you know, again, no, no, uh, no disrespect to teachers. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a heck of a job. It's something that is, uh, um, you know, challenging. And I, I, well, and I, I think, I think, I think this flexibility to, to adapt the curriculum to every single right. child, of course. But I, I think this season is also bringing a lot more respect for teachers. Sure. Because people are seeing how much they do and how challenging it is to do that mm-hmm. on that grander scale. So I, I, there's, um, yes, there's a good, there's a good fit all across the board. Um, everyone is different. So you have like, but that's, but that's sort of what our, our thought process is. And that's what we like to talk about is that we get to create what our life is. Everyone, everyone has that opportunity. And so to think that public school is the only option, people are starting to learn, oh, there's many more options. And I think that it's wonderful to be able to start to see that because it really comes down to choice and it comes down to like, how do you, how do you want to raise your children? How do you, what's important to you? How do you want to do it? And if, and if public school is the way you want to do that, then that, that's fantastic. Like be involved in that public school and, 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 um, you know, get the most out of it. I do want to just, uh, draw a little bit of a distinction between, um, there's sort of lots of variations of what's going on right now, but public homeschooling versus private homeschooling. Well, I think you because should what's talk happening about right, right now some... is a lot of it's, it's public. And I think what's happening for many people right now is actually more difficult than homeschooling correct um because they are still beholden to the system of public schooling but they are sometimes crowded into a sometimes there also working um creating i mean it's it's a lot to juggle and so there are some distinctions like when we talk about homeschooling we are not talking about being beholden to what the public school system is telling us to do on a day-to-day basis, right? Right. So I, I want you to talk about that. I want you to talk about, like, use Ronan as an, as an example because certainly I think we're half an hour in and if somebody's listening to this and and they want to know what it's like, right? Yeah. So, so we have the nature-based curriculum because Ronan is a big fan of all things natural and, uh, and uh, you know, life in general right and yeah well yeah so so even well in this I, there's like two thoughts in my head at the same time because i i also to i want to circle back to where you had the statistics of children who are also on medication because i think there's a connection there between school and what children are typically forced right. to do They're on a day-to-day basis for, 
fit a square peg into a round hole. Right. So yes. so we can talk about some of our decisions that went into choosing homeschooling and then and then a little bit about what it was like. But um, there's a lot of facets for us that made homeschooling just a natural a natural choice, a natural option. Um, and one of those was because we saw in the public school system more and more less arts, less physical education, less opportunity, like in more and more testing, more sitting, more regimentation, more teaching to the test. And I was in education. I, I taught at a local college here. I was watching this come down the pike. And for us to have two, two young boys, we, we, it's not, I can't, I'm not going to say, you know, it's hard to speak without speaking in generalities, but it is a challenging system for boys to ask them to sit still for seven, eight hours, right? They, you know, they're often getting there, what, at eight o'clock in the morning, leaving at two. So, you know, uh, six hours a day, that is a, that alone is a hard task to put on children, especially active, very active boys. Boys and girls are very different, I think, in terms of how their their concentration goes and, and how, how they need to. I don't think you're supposed to say that anymore. I'm probably not supposed to say that anymore. I, <laughs> um, however. Uh, but it's our podcast, so we can, we we can, can <laughs> live in reality if we choose to. Um, so, but that's not to say it's healthy for girls to sit. No, absolutely not. But, uh, but, but they are they, wired differently. But they are better at it. I was much better at it. I could sit there and I could focus and I could do that. But I could see my boys. That was not going to be an option. And so I feel that some of the medications that are being pushed on our children are also trying to fit them into a way of being that is not natural to kids. And if we trust the universe, if we trust the way that we are designed and we are wired and we trust and say, we need to, biologically speaking, okay, forget boys and girls, whatever it is, biologically speaking, we as a species used to move a whole lot more than we move now. Um, we used to hunt and gather and move around, you know, work on on grinding grain and, and baking things and out with the animals and, and all of these things. And, and we now sit most of the time. And this could be, we could probably branch this off into a million directions for podcasts, right? Like how does that affect our health? How does that affect our posture? But let's just bring it, let's just keep it with school. Sitting all day is not how we are wired. And so if we are going to trust and listen to our bodies and how, what we need, then that is not trying to force ourselves to do that, I think is not a great option. Anyway, that, so that was one thing that came, you know, came into our decision to, to homeschool originally. Um, I know just getting back to the individual, the individual ways people learn, being able to adapt that on a, on a one-on-one -on -one level, being able to react to how, you know, what, what one of our boys are interested in and, and then the other one being able to go off in a different direction and, and having that opportunity to, to see the learning happen and see, okay, you're, you're really not enjoying this worksheet. What if we, 
what if we go outside and do some reading in the treehouse and take a break? And what if we then come in and and uh, let's let's look at this, let's watch this video that might be a better way for you to learn this concept instead of having to ha you know having to force them to follow that thing. And so that's why like the schooling that's going on right now, this sort of private or not private, the public homeschooling that's happening has to, like it's it has to be very challenging i would imagine for many many people trying to keep up those standards um having your kids sit in front of a screen for six hours that, now, that's now not they're what you're not supposed even, to do either now you're not even in a classroom sitting where you get to interact with other kids like now it's it's a lot so please um to circle back yes talk about ronan's nature-based curriculum okay so we have chosen at this at this juncture of his life um it's called exploring nature with children and it is a cyclical curriculum i would call it i don't know if she would call it that the woman who who designed it but um every week of the year basically there is a there is a uh, a theme that corresponds to what's actually happening in nature in our world and so for example right now like november we've been studying moss, fungi, lichens, right? Because we can actually go outside and see these things and learn about them. So it gives us a, a framework. It gives us a starting point. But then, of course, there is there are book recommendations and there's art and there's science and there's writing and there's uh, poetry and there's all kinds of things that are connected with it that you can... Uh, incorporate into your week. There's um, different projects you can do. She calls them extension activities. And then I also will incorporate other things that he's interested in. So this is not connected to Moss at all, but he, you know, he's very much interested in Greek mythology and, um, and history and things of that nature. And so we can cater his days and cater his school based around all of these interests that he has. And, and so it becomes very flexible and it becomes very fluid and it fits into our life because we, you know, we typically, we will do school in the morning and then often go, you know, he'll have like a piano lesson in the afternoon or pottery. He likes the pottery class down at the local theater. And so we, we can do those things in the afternoon, but the mornings we, we will we'll often go through and, and start lessons. But um, those lessons can last days or they can be, you know, they can be a one and done kind of thing. Or we can, if, if it's something that's very interesting and we want to learn more, we can continue learning about it uh, as long as we want to. And, and, uh, diving into more and tangents and, and allowing that to explore. And so the flexibility of it for me and allows learning and the excitement of learning to be the main thing. And that I know for you and I, when we were talking about homeschooling and what it would mean was one of the most important pieces. We are naturally, okay, so getting back to how are we wired? How do humans work we are naturally learning creatures when we're interested in it <laughs> when there's something that we're interested in we will we want to learn more we will figure it out we will um you know 
what, what did it, what was I doing? Oh, uh, sourdough. Let's take sourdough. So I've been trying to learn how to do sourdough starter. Right. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was trying different things and, um, listening, you know, trying to learn from my friend. And finally I'm like, okay, I really want to like, I really want to accomplish this. And so I took some time to like go through some websites and watch some YouTube videos and, and, and learn from experts. And so I'm, I now just this past week, I had success with sourdough bread and now I'm so excited and I'm like ready to like learn more and see more ways I can do it. And that's something that at this day and age with the internet, right? Becomes so incredibly accessible. Why not keep that excitement going? Um, I think what I've seen, um, both as, as an educator and as a human, like going through school, school often dulls that excitement for learning. And I know that's not what school intends. I know that's not what teachers intend. Teachers, teachers of course, want their students to be excited about learning. Um, but the system of schooling tends to dull that for many, many kids. And that was something that we just didn't want for our kids. We want them to be excited about learning and, and continue to be able to do that on their own into adulthood for the rest of their lives. That it's not something like, oh, you just, you just, you go to school, you have to do this, but then it's not an integral part of life. And I know for you going through school, that was your experience until. Until I was going to school for something I was passionate about. Right. So you, you had that experience where you felt like a lot of school was just biding your time. Just wasting my day away. Right. Whereas I, my experience with school was, was completely different. I was really good at school. Like I was very good at the game of school. I could memorize things. I could take tests. I could do really well. I was a people pleaser. I was able to cross all of, check all the boxes and do all the things. And I was like that probably that teacher's dream student of like, oh, she's so engaged. But what happened through that is for me, I lost any sense of passion. So you went through school, like this is sort of how I see it. You went through school and you were like bored, bored, bored and like, oh, I, like I just want to get to my passion. And once you got to your passion, nothing could stop you. You, you graduated early. Like you were the youngest in your class, right? Like you were so excited to get there and to do the work and to be in the thing and to do that. And for me, I had no real idea of like, I knew I can't, you know, yeah, I like, I like art. I like this. I guess I'll do that. I guess I'll go into fine art. Um, all right, maybe art history. Cause I don't really see myself being passionate enough to like make art for the rest of my days. Like as a career, right? I was like, I don't really want to teach, like, <laughs> even though I ended up there anyway. Um, but like, it was just, I didn't know what I wanted. And I think it took me years to realize what kinds of things I was really passionate about to really get back to who I was. And so that also was something for us, why we chose homeschooling. I don't want my kids to lose that. They innately know what they're passionate about. They mm -hmm. innately learn. And they innately are passionate. So maybe they're passionate for three days about something. Maybe they're passionate for three years about something, but I don't want them to lose or feel like what they love and they're passionate about is not 
valuable enough that they have to please everybody else so instead. If for someone who this is maybe a new concept for that, but you know, likes the sound of what you're saying, the question I'm sure that they're asking themselves is what, how do you translate all of that to the, um, the child learning the things the child needs to know, right? So the reading, the writing, the arithmetic, how do they, um, how does that, you know, learning about cool stuff turn into being able to function in the world as a, a lifelong learner and or, you know, going to college someday and all that, right? So that question is fairly complicated. <laughs> um, it could be. That could be a whole episode unto itself, I'm sure, because um, we could talk about this a little bit. But how... Okay, in the in the homeschooling realm, I will also mention this. There is a spectrum, even among homeschoolers, between homeschoolers who also strictly follow a curriculum and um, spend their time, you know, really structured and you know, checking all of those boxes. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side of that that spectrum is what we call unschooling, which is completely child-led learning with no no real boxes. However, there is, depending on what state you're in, depending on what, what the requirements are, there typically is some need to be able to track and show improvement in those certain areas and in those ways. So the ways you do that though are gonna be varied, they're gonna be different. So if you ask me how do I make sure that my child can learn to read, well we read a lot. You and I read a lot. We Mm -hmm. read a lot and read a lot to our kids. Yes. And I honestly cannot take credit for teaching Ronan how to read. I mean yes, did we work on did we work on letters? Of course. Did we work on letter sounds? Uh-huh. Did we have a workbook where we looked at sight words and we, you know, did some flashcards and he recognized, you know, he was recognizing sight words and things like that. Yes. But when he wanted to read was when he decided there was something he wanted to read and he he learned how to do that. <laughs> like I I can't I can't really take credit for figuring that out. So that might sound really intimidating and scary for people to just trust that innate process. And, and I would imagine if at this point at eight years old, if he still wasn't reading, I would be, um, figuring out, you know, maybe, you know, asking more questions or figuring out like, what are more ways to do this? But he, um, he's been reading since he's what, four, five. Uh, I don't even know. He's been reading for a very long time. Yeah. Because he was, he wanted to know what are these, what are these things, what is this? Like he wanted to know. Now Gabriel is, he's about to be five. He doesn't have the same, uh, same. He he's very different, which is exactly what we know. Like everyone is wired differently, and so for him, letters and um, you know doing the alphabet. Ronan was singing the alphabet at two. Gabriel still doesn't really like to sing the alphabet. Um, not interested for the most part. And so for him, 
he but he but he has strengths in other areas where Ronan did not like he he loves he loves to draw and his actually his control in his his ability to to draw and use a pencil is I would say Pretty matches remarkable. his older brother yes. in ways um so so there are there's sort of different schools of thought there right but Gabriel I noticed more and more recently like as he sees his brother read who also reads to him as he sees us read and when he finds something that he really wants to know what it is so recently it was a ninja turtles batman comic book all of a sudden he wanted to know what those letters were and he wanted to know what what those sounds were and now he will sing the alphabet because he knows that it will get him to understand what's going on in that comic book. Right. And so again, right. it comes down, everyone has their own their own timetable to come to these, but it comes down to his interest and passion driving that piece. Um, what, you know, all right, so you asked me about math, right? So math, sometimes we do follow a little bit more like, okay, some workbooks, and that's more for me to know what's sort of expected at this level, what what would be typical, and then where might we need to fill in some blanks. But when it comes to, you know, counting, money, um, things like that, like that's all very accessible in life on a day-to-day basis. So what, um, what did we do this summer? We decided, okay, we're not traveling. Um, we, we love to make the outdoors an enticing place for our kids let's let's build a tree house right so we we hired a friend's son who was an architecture student off for the semester we hired him to come and work with Ronan to build a tree house well what did Ronan have to learn he had to he had to learn more about measurement he had to learn more about you know your when you make a plan and how many boards you need here and what's going to work and 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 so those are practical moments where you, when it's useful, you're excited to figure it out. And I, that for us has become our philosophy really of education and how we do things is making it a part of our everyday. The boys will bake with me. They'll cook with me. They're learning measurement. They're learning fractions. They're learning those things. And no, is that all they're ever going to do? No. Obviously, we we need to in Pennsylvania. There's there's standards that we need to meet. We need to branch off into other things. But um, I find that when they're passionate about it, when they're interested in it, it is easy for them to f- sort of learn these other pieces, and they're excited about it. And I get excited about it, and it's fun. So that that is a detail. Also, someone might want to know, which is. You based on your state, there's still requirements, and there's a process yes. that you have to go through. You have to work with someone who certifies, um, not you, but certifies the certifies. The so in Pennsylvania, you hire an evaluator who, evaluator. at the end of the year, they look at your the portfolio that you've brought with them. They talk with the student, and they write a letter to the superintendent of your school district and say. This student has shown, you know, learning and growth mm-hmm. basically in this year. Um, and I certify them that they have met the requirements of the state. 
and that's that's the process in Pennsylvania, but every state is different. So I'm speaking from my own very new experience. I mean, I, we're, we're, this is our first year of being officially homeschooling, but we've been homeschooling since the beginning, I would say. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, because one is always learning. One is always learning. And so some of the most co- common questions people will get, so someone listening to this might be like, well, okay, but how you know, this all sounds nice, but how do I make it happen? Like, is this even possible? You know, I work full time or I do this or, you know, I will tell you that there are success stories of homeschooling from every, from every possible situation. And it gets back to what we, what we love and what we talk about, which is, you know, creating your life from the inside out. If it's important to you, there are resources, there are people, there, there are ways to figure it out. Um, it might, you know, it might not be the best fit for you and that's okay. What we just, what, what we are talking about is that there are, there are far more, many, far more choices available in how you school, in your philosophy of schooling, of the way that you might want to school from this point on as this pandemic has kind of opened eyes to alternatives. There's cyber school. So cyber school is kind of um, a little mixture of both. Uh, you have a teacher, you have a curriculum. It's, it's much more standardized, but you have the flexibility of also being home, of being uh, a support person for your student, of witnessing their learning and things like that. Um, my very good friend is a teacher with a cyber school and has been for um, over a decade. And so I, I'm aware of that option as well. Um, so there's, there's many different ways that it can happen. And I think, I think one of the things that I'm really passionate about is just sharing that there are choices that you have. You, you don't have to just do public school because that's what everyone does. You don't have to, um, make the same health choices because that's just what everyone does. And I think opening up our eyes to realize there are many ways to do it and finding the way that means the most to you is the important part and getting clear on your philosophy, getting clear on your thoughts about education and, and how you want to raise your kids or how you want to focus on your health and all of those things. That's, that's really key, which I think as we're, topping the hour here brings us back to, um, even in the beginning, how do I want my day to go? How do I want that to feel? And are my actions mapping to that? Is my watching the news and watching, you know, listening to, to commentary and, and, um, getting caught up in all of the fear mongering that's going on. Is that, serving my family the best? Is that serving my health the best? Is that how I want to show up in the world? Or do I want to come here and, and share a little bit of our light and say, you don't have to listen to the news in order to get your information. <laughs> there are other ways. There are other ways you can get it, but you don't have to just accept the narrative that is being headlined, there are 
gray areas and subtleties and there are good things and there is light um, and there are positives to all of this if we just look for them. It takes a little bit more work, but you don't have to just accept these mainstream ideas that try to keep you I don't know, just try to keep you in that state of like, oh my gosh, what's happening? The world is falling apart. What am I going to do? I have no control. You know, all of those feelings. That's not truth. Correct. We have control. More control than we've been led to believe. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to end it. I think so. Thanks for listening. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, friends. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share with others. A movement is not a movement without people. At the very least, we hope that we bring ideas that make us think and ponder and just question our assumptions. And at the most, we hope we empower others to create their lives living above, down, inside out. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next time.